Welcome to Episode 7 of Lifting the Kilt on Men's Health, a podcast series run by Men's Health Down Under. Each episode will be focusing on a different area of men's health, and so far in this series, we have discussed issues from investigating the function of the prostate, what can go wrong, and post-prostate cancer recovery through to erectile dysfunction and its treatment. In today's episode, I'll be joined by Brad Butt, pharmacist and founder of Men's Health Down Under, and we'll be talking all about LUTs which, as Google has informed me, stands for Lower Urinary Tract Syndrome. In preparation for today's discussion, I looked up LUTs and found that it affects up to 25% of men aged 40 to 49 and up to 45% of men aged over 70. So it appears, although I had never heard of it, its prevalence is quite high. Brad, welcome to today. And can you explain to me in detail what exactly is LUTs? Why do people get it? How can it be prevented or treated? Hey Warwick, thanks. Thanks for the intro. Yeah, LUTs is um, a, is a collection of symptoms, um, and essentially, LUTs happens when you've got some inflammation of the prostate, by and large. And coming back to your statistics you just mentioned, what we know about the prostate is that as we age, it becomes more enlarged, and that's part of a normal, healthy aging. It's quite normal. It's not dangerous, particularly. Uh, it's it's not synonymous with prostate cancer. Um, so it's just a, a normal healthy aging of the prostate, which causes it to become enlarged. And as the prostate becomes enlarged, it, it swells, it puts pressure on the urethra. And this goes back to a bit of a, uh, an education in um, physiology and anatomy. So you've got the bladder, which sits um, you know, about navel height in your tummy, or a bit, bit lower, and out of the bladder flows the urethra. And the urethra is the pipe, if you like, that drains the bladder out via the penis into the toilet. That urethra, that pipe, goes through the prostate. The prostate sits immediately below the bladder. And as the prostate swells, noting that the urethra flows directly through the middle of the prostate, it puts pressure back on that prost- uh, back on that urethral tube. So the reality is the swelling is pushing onto the urethra and that causes many of these symptoms of LUTs. Uh, so symptoms can include but are not limited to things like urinary hesitancy. And by hesitancy, I mean you go to the toilet, you get the penis out to do a wee because you're busting, um, but it, but it, there's that nothing happens. You get that sort of a delay in, in maturition or delay in voiding the bladder. So it's hard to start urination. It can be hard to stop cleanly. And if you think back to when you were a young fella, stopping cleanly wasn't an issue. When you finished doing a wee, you pull the penis back into your undies, do up your zip and away you went. Whereas if you've got some symptoms of LUTs or inflammation of the prostate, you can have a bit of a dribble. Uh, And that's, again, that's another symptom of this LUTs. You can find that the stream of the urine isn't as strong as it used to be. Uh, you know, again, if you think back to when you're a young fella, the urine flows out like like a horse, as they say. Whereas as we age, the flow can become impaired. You know, it's not as strong. You know, I've heard blokes say they wouldn't urinate over the they wouldn't urinate over the door frame anymore. Um, uh, you know, that's probably a, a good indication that there's some inflammation of the prostate happening. Um, you can find you need to get up multiple times at night to go to the toilet. That's another fair symptom of LUTs, or you know, which can indicate inflammation of the prostate. And that wouldn't just be one or two times at night. It might be three, four, or even five times or more at, at night getting up to go to the toilet. So that frequent voiding. Um, so that, they tend to be the main symptoms of LUTs. And as is the case with most 
symptoms, they're an indication that something else needs attention, needs review by the doctor. Uh, as I said before, healthy aging does for men does tend to involve inflammation of the prostate, and that often results in these symptoms of LUTs. And it's not that it's not that if we don't do anything about it, it you know, we're going to we're going to dive of a swell, of an enlarged prostate or of the symptoms. That's not the case at all. But it does make life uncomfortable, and for that reason, if for no other reason, it, it's a good indication that it's time to go and see the see the GP and get them to have a bit of a look as to what's going on. Um, you know, they run some blood, so I'll have a look at your PSA, uh, which is an indication of, of prostate inflammation. Uh, and then obviously, if there's concerns um, around the symptoms of LUTs, so the hesitancy, difficulty starting, difficulty stopping, a weak stream, getting up multiple times at night to go to the toilet, um, a symptom of LUTs can actually be some, some issues with erections as well. So if there's, if there's some symptoms of LUTs, they may then refer the patient to the doctor, to the urologist, who'd then do a bit more of do, do a bit more investigation, look at what the GP's already done, and um, assuming all is well, i.e. that they don't believe there's any prostate cancer uh, or anything more sinister going on, they'd, they'd invariably start the patient on some medication to reduce the inflammation of the prostate. Um, and that, can, that could be something like tamsulosin uh, or, or dutasteride, um, Prozosin. There's a few of these types of medications that they can give you. They're generally pretty well tolerated, um, and we can talk about the symptoms or some of the side effects of those medications if you like, Warwick, in this episode. Um, but these medications are, are largely effective, and they reduce the inflammation of the prostate. And by doing that, they take pressure off that pipe or the straw, if you like, that goes from the bladder out via the penis. And in doing that you get a, a, you know, a much nicer flow of urine. You're more able to completely empty the bladder so you go to the toilet um, less frequently and, and, and you know, life goes on, things aren't too bad. So, Brad, just backing up a little bit, so all of these symptoms um, or, or the LUTs, the, the syndrome is related to inflammation of the prostate, is that correct? Yeah, that's that's right. Invariably, yeah. that's the case. Yeah. So, so, yep. so I can understand when you're explaining. I'm just trying to think mechanically of of what you're describing. You've got the tube going from the the bladder and it's going through the prostate. The prostate's enlarged, so obviously that can constrict uh, and make it maybe hard to start flow or stop flow. Yes. Where does the where does the frequent urination come into it? Is it because you're not emptying your bladder? You can't empty your bladder in one go. Or how, how does yeah. that? Yeah, that's right. So you get to the point where there's you 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 perceive that you've emptied the bladder, but there's still a residual amount of urine in that bladder, and that can occur for a few reasons. One of which is that the prostate can actually push back up into the bladder um, and and sort of create a bit of a a bit of an island, if you like. So it can be hard to empty the empty the bladder completely, um, and and as a result, as a result, you know you feel like you've emptied the bladder, and then. Shortly thereafter, you feel like you need to go again, and you got to remember that the bladder the bladder sends a message to the brain when it's approximately half full um, to say you're going to need to go to the toilet in the next little while. And I think we can all we're all familiar with that feeling, and in fact, we've probably all had that feeling today. You start getting the urge to go to the toilet, and you think, "Yeah, I'm going to have to go to the toilet soon." And for most men, we can put it off. We could put it off for an hour. We could put it off for two or three, possibly. And then you start getting stronger messages from the brain to say, hey, listen, your bladder's getting really full now. You're going to have to go before you burst. Um, so the other thing with, with LUTs, and if we, you know, if you consider the, 
bladder as a balloon, if we don't stretch that balloon right out and, and fill the bladder, you know, fairly regularly, it, it starts to get smaller. So we can end up with the bladder getting smaller and smaller. And the more frequently you, you void or you empty your bladder, the smaller the bladder can become over time. So if you think about a male who's got, you know, these symptoms of LUTs and who's getting up at, at night to go to the toilet five or six times, their bladder becomes conditioned to hold less urine. It, it, it becomes smaller and therefore, to get half a bladder is only going to take a smaller amount of time. So, therefore, you get the urge to void more frequently. Um, so, that's one of the tricks is to try and delay urination, um, not to the point where you leak, of course, but to delay it a little bit to try and force that bladder to become um, bigger so that it can hold more urine. And therefore, you're going to the toilet hopefully less frequently because you hold more urine. So is is a, is a symptom of this, Brad, like you mentioned, frequent urination at night, like getting up. But yeah. if you were getting up, say you're someone who drank a lot of water or fluid, um, maybe it's um, – is that getting up um, if you were having like a, a lot of volume of urination when you're getting up, then that yep. probably wouldn't be as a concern as if the fact you're getting up but you're only having a small volume. Is that is that the way it – Yeah, to an extent. I think – the the real the the telltale symptoms of LUTs, particularly for that um, they call it nocturnal nocturnal enuresis or going to the toilet at night because you get the urge and it wakes you up. You know, if you'd if you'd had a, if you'd had fifteen fifteen beers, five beers, a couple of glasses of wine before dinner and going to bed, you're gonna you're gonna have the need to go to the toilet more overnight. For the guys that have got these symptoms of LUTs because their prostate's enlarged it's going to be a fairly regular every night occurrence as in you go to bed and then like clockwork at midnight, I need to get up and go to the toilet and then again at two and then again at four and then again at six. And you get, you, you get, um, you get that, that, that happen that happens each and every night. So if for some reason you've had a lot of water or, or alcohol or you take a diuretic tablet, uh, at the end of the day, as an ad hoc sort of a thing, you, you, yes, you'd expect that night you might get up more, but as a general rule for a fellow that's otherwise healthy, we'd hope that you didn't get the, the symptoms of LUTs. Mm. And, and it's not just at night, obviously, I assume this occurs. It's just you notice it. That's the easy way to ask someone, is it saying how many times do you get up at night? Because I assume if they're getting up at night frequently, does that mean they're during the day they're going to the toilet frequently as well? Yeah, that's more likely the case, yeah. And it's obviously you're more likely to remember it. Whereas during the day, you know, you might void slightly more frequently and, and not necessarily think much about it. Um, mm. It is interesting. We do tend to find that the guys that have um, a lot of visits to the toilet overnight, they not don't necessarily go to the toilet a whole lot more during the day. So there does seem to be some, um, there does seem to be something that happens at night time that makes them more inclined to, to go to the toilet. Hmm. Great. So, where do we go now with this topic, Brad? You're talking about me- medications. Is that the next step, or yeah, I think I think that's probably not worth. It's probably worth touching on because some of the guys um, are prescribed, you know, medications. Some of the older medications, like prazosin. Uh, prazosin's a, what we call an alpha blocker, and it's um, it, it used to be the only treat, one of the only treatments we had, and it was used for a lot of different things, including blood pressure, um, and it was it's been used quite successfully for many years. Uh, to help with inflammation of the prostate, and it works relatively well. So that might be one that a patient's on, and it is pretty well tolerated. It can affect blood pressure a bit, um, which can be of concern. So it's, that's one to one thing to to keep an eye on. 
some of the newer ones that we're seeing, like the dutasteride and the tamsulosin, also reduce inflammation of the prostate. Um, and the, the tamsulosin is also an alpha blocker, like the prozosin, the first one we mentioned. But it tends to be more well-tolerated. Uh, it, it's probably the mainstay of therapy that we see the doctors prescribing. It can... Um, can affect blood pressure and it can have some weird effect on 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 ejaculation it's called retrograde ejaculation and and this retrograde ejaculation um so when the blokes having intercourse and masturbating and they have a retrograde ejaculation so they climax like normal they feel all those good um healthy feelings um of orgasm but the the ejaculate actually gets refluxed back up into the bladder so Rather than the ejaculate coming out of the penis, it actually goes back up into the bladder, which it's not its not going to hurt the patient, but it can be a bit off-putting for them. So it's good to be aware of that. Um, you also can tend to find that it can have a, it can take the, the sting out of erectile function a little bit. So, uh, you know, for the guys who are on tamsulosin, it, it is worth talking to your doctor if you're having some erectile issues because the tamsulosin can impact on that a bit as well. The other drug that we see used is... Um, Dutasteride, and it's often in combination in, in, in with the tamsulosin, the second one, in a product called Duodart. And the Duodart, um, the Duodart is a combination product which has both. But you can get the Dutasteride on its own. It's a bit of an interesting one. It tends to be fairly effective, um, not perhaps as effective as the other two that we've talked about, the tamsulosin and the and the um, prazosin. But it can have some funny side effects, um, particularly around. Um, causing some rapid heart rate, um, make the guys feel a bit uncomfortable in that respect and around erectile um, issues. So they're the, they're the three that we tend to see used most commonly at this point in time. Uh, the other one which I think is worth touching on, Warwick, is, is um, Tadalafil. And Tadalafil, or Cialis, as its brand name is, uh, was, was originally prescribed as an erectile drug, so it helped with erectile dysfunction. And um, we've found that it's quite useful in the management of of BPH or this benign prostatic hyperplasia of which LUTs is a symptom. So inflammation of the prostate, which is more more broadly known as, as BPH, uh, which results in LUTs, we've found that there can be some, some good benefits by um, prescribing Tadalafil. The problem with Tadalafil up until recent times was that it was um, covered under patent protection, so there was no generics on the market. But in the last 12 months, the generics have become available and um, it's gone from being you know, $7 a day to more like a dollar a day. So it's become cost effective. Uh, and it tends to be pretty effective for the symptoms of LUTs with the added benefit of it of it helping with erectile function. So it's got a couple of benefits there as well. So it sounds like with all these um, medications though, well, not all of them, but some of them have side effects. So it's obviously really important that you're seeing your regular uh, doctor and regular pharmacist that they've got a view across all your medications just to make sure you haven't got sort of an odd interaction happening um, yeah, ab- with these yeah. things, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it's um, you know, uh, when when these things are prescribed, obviously the doctor, be it the GP or the urologist, um, you know, they they take that into account. But from time to time, things happen that we're not expecting, uh, or that you know, you look at the information that the pharmacist gives you, and it might be reported as a side effect that only happens infrequently. But you know, the reason it's on there is because it does happen to the odd patient. So it's important to be familiar with some of those side effects and if something unusual does start to happen um, that you you deal with it in a timely fashion so if there's erectile issues for example don't don't just put up and hope that it'll improve because it 
possibly and probably won't. You know, it's important to then go back to the doctor if that's of concern for you and, and deal with it earlier rather than later. Um, and look, there's other options as well that the guys with um, with just normal healthy ageing of the prostate, symptoms of LUTs related to this prostate swelling, BPH, can, can, can get. Um, and that's often initiated by the urologist and you know, one of them's one of them they refer to as a terp, which is where they bore the prostate out, if you will. So you talk about the the urethra sort of being occluded or pressed in by the prostate. Um, you know, the, the, there's um, terps and other things that the urologist can do to to push that urethra back open to to, to push the prostate away from it, so that you know the patient can um, can urinate more comfortably and and the symptoms don't bother them quite as much. So that's that's the other option that the patient's got. So there's many different ways that these things can be managed. It doesn't have to be medication. And, and medication's not always, uh, you know, the preferred preferred method of, of management. So that's why it's important that if you if patients that are listening have got symptoms that, that sound like symptoms of LUTs or enlarged prostate, that they go and talk to the GP and get the ball rolling. Obviously, as we've said before, the best time to deal with it is early on in the piece. And whilst it might feel a bit awkward talking to the doctor about some of this stuff, um, you know, they have the conversation with patients regularly and uh, they're in the best position to be able to see that it's de- dealt with in, a, in an appropriate time frame and that it doesn't have any longer-term ramifications on, on your health and well-being. And it sounds like the other, um, I mean, for me, part of the takeaway here is this is, one, it's it's a part of normal ageing and, two, it's not necessarily a indication of prostate cancer. It just could be a prostate issue. Yeah. But, but, yeah. but, but you know, not, you know, I know people get very uh, worried, you know, when I guess thinking everything links to a cancer diagnosis, whereas it actually just could be something that just needs a little bit of uh, help along. Exactly right. Yeah. I mean, that's not to say that it isn't cancerous, and and if that if there's any motivation to go and get it checked out properly, the risk of it being prostate cancer is is highly motivating. Yep. Um, but it's but more often than not, it's it's benign and it's nothing more than enlargement that's related to age. And for guys that are fifty, the likelihood of having that swollen prostate's about fifty percent. And as we age. The, the risk of having an enlarged prostate, the likelihood of having an enlarged prostate is roughly your age. So if you're 70, it's likely 70% of guys your age are going to have, um, you know, some form of prostate enlargement. Um, so, but it, but it doesn't hurt to get it checked, you know, um, it make, make you more comfortable. You might get a better night's sleep and, you know, it might help erectile function as well, which, which we're all in, which, you know, of course we're, we're all happy to have better erectile function. Hmm. So is there anything, if, if you're not already in that zone or you don't already have this problem, um, is there anything you can do? I mean, you're in your late thirties, Brad, is there anything you should be doing, um, that can help, uh, I guess, delay, uh, these kind of issues coming on as, as you get older or? Yeah, of course. And look, it's, it, it, it all comes back to having a good, healthy lifestyle. You know, if you, if, if you can quit smoking, that helps immensely, uh, you know, eat good, healthy diet, avoidance of alcohol, um, you know, alcohol, as, as much as it's part of male culture and, and our Australian culture, you know, I think there's more and more evidence to suggest that controlling controlling alcohol intake is actually really important for our, for our general health and well-being. Um, and that's not saying cut alcohol out altogether, but it's it's more about drinking within drinking to moderation, having alcohol-free days, um, you know, following the guidelines on alcohol consumption. Because what we do know is that uh, pickling ourselves with alcohol is not much good for anything. And you know, there used to be a myth about red blood. Um, 
red wine being good for blood pressure, but that's that's debunked as well. So I'm the bearer of bad news on that front. Alcohol's not your friend. Um, good healthy eating is healthy um, exercise. You know, getting out each day to do, you know, exercise to get your heart rate up and get the blood moving around is great. You know, making sure you're not carrying too much additional weight is really important. You know, a sedentary lifestyle is not much good for so many things. Um, and for erectile function and prostate health, it's exactly the same. There's, um, you know, there's there's a little bit of evidence for some of the natural and complementary things like sorpimento. Um, uh, sorpimento is a, 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 a herb or a vitamin that you can purchase, you know, at health food shops and pharmacies. It tends to be to be reasonably good, and there's more evidence coming out on that. You know, every year, um, it reduces the inflammation of the prostate. There's um, you know, antioxidant intakes, you know, seeming like it might be important. Um, uh, there's a there's a bunch of those sort of natural things, and I, I'd be I'd be cautious in my recommendations around you know which products might be good from a natural perspective because there's not a lot of evidence for some of them. Um, but again, that's the sort of advice you can get from your local pharmacist, your local doctor, GP, you know, the, or the urologist. They'll be able to give you insight as to you know if you are looking to start some complementary medicines. You know which ones are worth spending your money on, and which ones are you know an absolute waste of money and time, because um, there's a lot of them out there that report to be good, uh, but but that need not necessarily be based on any good scientific evidence. And I think, you know, we're working in working with people's health and their well-being, and I, I think if we're making decisions about their health and well-being, that's going to impact on uh, their financial position, but also their health. We need to make sure we do it based on science. So make sure you get a good scientific. Um, uh, a product which has got good scientific evidence behind it that might be recommended by your doctor or urologist as well. And I guess the other thing people have to remember, which is uh, just because they're complementary medicines doesn't mean they may not interact with other medications you have. Isn't that the case? So you have to make, if you are looking at taking those things, make sure your doctor or pharmacist is, is aware, I assume, of everything you're taking. Yeah, that's right. And I guess that you know the old the old case of digoxin. Digoxin's a prescription medica- medication, but it's in foxglove, so you know it it would be deemed it could be deemed a complementary or natural medicine. But we know that it's actually a really dangerous um, medication as well, and it can interact. You know, as with St John's Wort, there's a lot of herbal and complementary medicines that can interact with your prescription medicines, and often we don't think of them, Warwick, as as being anything more than complementary, we can self-prescribe them, pick them up off the shelf, without anybody questioning us at all. Um, and 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 as such, we often forget to declare them to our doctor, our specialist, our surgeon. Uh, and, and it can actually have really um, big impacts on on the management of our health if we don't declare those things to our to our um, doctors. Great. So. As far as Lutz is concerned, it's probably good if someone's um, kind of zoned in or out today. Can, can you just recap for us, what are the symptoms, if I'm having them, I should think that maybe I, I need to go and see my GP or urologist? What, sh- what should I be looking for again? Yep, absolutely. So we're looking for urinary hesitancy. So, you know, trying to go but not able to, not able to start the flow of urine, not able to, not able to stop the flow of urine cleanly so we can get a bit of a dribble of urine after we've finished voiding the bladder getting up at night multiple times to go to the toilet, a weak stream. So when we do void, it doesn't flow out as as well as it used to. So it can be, it might trickle out or it can trickle before it actually starts to run properly. Um, and also erectile function. So a, a, a weakening erectile function can be a symptom of LUTs as well. 
So basically, if, if you're having any of those symptoms, um, like you always say, go and go and see your GP. Maybe as your first point of call, and uh, be open and honest with them, and discuss what's going on, and tell them everything. And uh, you know they should look after you and refer you to the appropriate um, next step. Exactly right. Yep, that's exactly right. And that's the takeaway, as it always is. If something doesn't seem right, or you know, there's a change, and it could be quite a dramatic change. It could be, it could be good. You know, up, uh, it could have been good until a month ago, and then over a month it can go pear shaped. I mean, worst case scenario, you're going to be, you know, you get the urge to go to the toilet, and you go, but you can't void it all. So the the bladder is the the prostate can completely occlude or block that urethra that urethra so that you can't get any urine out. And I mean, that's we don't want it to get to that point. We want to pick it up before that. So if there's something that seems a little amiss with your health, as a general rule, and it's been like it for a for a few days or a week, and it's been like it for a, for a few days or a week, go and get it. Been like it. We know our bodies, and if something's amiss, it's always uh, it's always pertinent to go and speak to somebody like your doctor that's um, had the training to be able to say, yeah, don't worry about it, Warwick, that's quite normal what you're experiencing, or actually, you know what, we better investigate this a bit further by doing some tests or, or referring you on. Yep. Fantastic. Thanks very much for your time today, Brad. Um, I think that was a, a really uh, a topic I knew nothing about until today, until I had a quick Google before we, we did the episode. I think that was really informative and given a lot of good uh, pointers for, of people on where to go um, and when to go. So I think uh, in our next episode, we'll be having a, a general chat about who's who in the zoo with regard to um, men's health focused health professionals. So explain all the different health professionals around men's health and, and what they all do in their role. So uh, until next time, thanks very much for your time, Brad. Thanks, Warwick. It's been a pleasure. Some of the information in this podcast may be of a medical nature, including discussions about medical conditions, treatments, and other insights related to patients' experiences. The opinions and advice articulated in the podcast are intended to be general in nature and do not constitute specific medical advice or opinion. Please refer to your own doctor or healthcare team or one of the Men's Health Done Under practitioners if you have a specific question or concern. Mm -hmm.